Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, May the 7th. Excited for uh, today's podcast. We've got former NFL player, friend of the show, um, Chris Long, two-time Super Bowl champion and the host of uh, the Greenlight Pod uh, on, on his own, on Chalk Media, which Chris started in his uh, in his retirement life. We'll get to that in just a minute. Reminder that you can, we have the schedule coming out tonight. The NFL schedule will be out. And, uh, of course, we'll be reacting to it in podcast form. Tomorrow's show will be a, uh, a Super Friends podcast reaction. And I believe Monday's show is going to be a Super Friends mailbag. We will answer any and all mailbag questions that you send our way as long as it's on a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave it there. We will answer it. Uh, while you're there, check out the State of Combat podcast as well. Brian Campbell and friends are breaking down Saturday night's UFC event. We also have uh, Rashad Evans join the program, and they'll give you the picks for UFC so you can check those out. Also worth checking out is the CBS Sports HQ show, the Pick 6 podcast on HQ, uh, 4 to 5 Eastern every single weekday. God bless our souls, except for tonight. Tonight will be... 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ as the Super Friends, uh, Danny Cannell will be joining us, I think. We'll break down the, we'll preview the NFL schedule release, uh, at 8 o'clock or whatever it is. And then after the schedule is released, we'll be on from 11 p.m. until midnight live on CBS Sports HQ. You can watch it for free anywhere you get your CBS Sports app, your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox, or you can even go check it out on Pluto TV. Uh, Pluto TV. If you, I don't know, like, I've been legitimately telling my friends about Pluto TV a bunch lately because it's it's freaking great. There's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles channel on there. There is a uh, RuPaul's Drag Race channel on there. My wife loves that. Uh, a bunch of like, if you want to watch every James Bond movie, they got them on there. Tons of fantastic channels, including now CBS Sports HQ. So make sure and download Pluto TV and fire that up. And uh, watch our schedule release shows from 6 to 7 Eastern and 11 to 12 p.m. Eastern. Okay, I think that's it for the plugs. Maybe. I'm sure, I'm sure I forgot about something. Debo will yell at me. But uh, we got a big show to get to. Chris Long and I talking uh, music, football, Jalen Hurts, Patriots quarterbacks, talk, uh, chat with uh, chat about some like some old school cars. Let's get to it. All right, as promised, joining us now. Chris Long, host of Greenlight with Chris Long, obviously a former NFL player, two-time Super Bowl champion, and uh, 
at on Twitter at Joel nine one. I gotta tell you, man, uh, it is, um, you know, it's like a, like, so I see, uh, like Spencer Hall is a great writer for, or was a great writer for SB Nation. He's on furlough now, but it's like, you would see him write and he's like, that's, you know, like, it's annoying that, that he's that good at it. Uh, it's a little annoying that you jumped into this podcast space with a green colored podcast, no less, uh, like the pick six podcast <laughs> and, and you're already very good at it. It's a, it's an awesome show. Oh, I, pick, I, I, pick six is green. Listen. Yeah. So it's pick six green. Oh man, dude. Oh crap. Well, I do listen to pick <laughs> six pod. I like hearing you guys uh, argue during the season and, and bust each other's balls. I love the, the, uh, the back and forth with Prisco. He is just a, a bundle of joy. So <laughs> he really is. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, especially this time now he's been locked in his house with like his, his high rise condo with his wife for like, you know, six weeks. I mean, he's just turned into this little tiny tan hothead and it's hilarious to see him to spout off all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God bless his wife. I, I met him once. He's super cool. And what's funny is if you hadn't met him, he's the nicest guy. And like, he's totally different on the podcast, but his Twitter feed is yeah. just old and I just love it. We need more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pete's, uh, Pete's been one of, he's like, I don't want to, I mean, you don't want to say, I, I don't know, mentor would be a strong word because people would then think I'm like a Satanist too, but Pete's been, Pete's been <laughs> awesome to me in this, in this business. So I, I like, I, well, I, 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 I appreciate Pete as much as about anybody. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let, let's talk. Let, we're gonna, I want to, I don't, I, I didn't want to have you on and talk all like only football because there's so much yeah. more interesting things to talk about. But, uh, you know, the two teams you want a Super Bowl with are, uh, in the news now with, because of the draft and like the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. What, what is your, yeah. like, what is your initial gut reaction to, to that draft pick? Well, there's a lot going on in the NFC East and kind of mirror image things. Well, if from the surface, if you're looking at it as a sensitive fan, which I am a little bit with Carson, I mean, I like Carson. I think he's a franchise guy. I think that he's gotten a little bit of unfair or a lot of unfair criticism. Uh, that's been well documented. I also think he deserves some criticism. He he hasn't been perfect, uh, but you know the, the Cowboys fans are probably looking at, at Carson laughing for a week and look at the Eagles laughing for a week after the draft, and then the Andy Dalton thing happens. I mean, you're paying a guy three million dollars guaranteed who's taken to the Bengals, uh, the the Bengals the playoffs four times with Marvin Lewis, and uh, it's a good value. I mean, you don't get guys like that in May. It's a proven commodity. Uh, you have to do it. They're looking at Matt Moore in Kansas City, Foles in Philly, Bridgewater in New Orleans. I mean, what's one win worth for, for Dallas? And I know you didn't ask me about Dallas, but two wins could be worth a uh, home field advantage for a team like that that believes their window's wide open. And if the window's not open, there's something seriously wrong there because they're very talented. But um, I think it's different in Philly the way I look at it. I do think there's something – to say about it, there's something that as an Eagles fan, you have to wonder what they think of Carson. I know what I, I think about Carson. I know what everybody in the locker room that I know of thinks about Carson. Um, you have to look at it this way. Either you drafted somebody to be a Taysom Hill. If you did that, I think you overdrafted a Taysom Hill. Would you will pick Taysom, Taysom Hill in the second round? Uh, no, Chris, I would not. In fact, I would I would not take Taysom Hill in the, I would take Taysom Hill in the fourth round if I knew I, yeah. if I was, if I was a GM with a coach like Sean Payton or, I mean, or a Doug Peterson, but like, I, I, not if I, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. Everybody wants to do the Taysom Hill thing, but uh, all head coaches are not equal. All offensive minds are not equal Two, two, if you're taking a backup, did you overdraft the backup, an emergency backup? Yeah. Second I, round. I, I think, okay. I think, okay. 
Well, I was going to say my one thing is like Howie Long. I mean, Howie, Howie Long, that's your father. Howie Roseman. Dude, Howie Long and Howie Roseman are the same guy, dude. Physically, the whole nine <laughs> yards, same guy. Hey, by the way, this, this is a total, this is a total tangent, but, um, and I probably should save it for later, but somebody hit me with one of my, my boss or somebody hit me with when I said that you were on the pod today, hit me with, uh, Howie Long was on 90210. And I didn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was. Uh, I didn't remember it obviously either when it happened, but there's been a few cameos that my pops popped up on that, that are pretty entertaining to me. But I, I, I guess two, Two out of the three possibilities we've checked off. The third is that you think he's uh, good enough to challenge Carson. And Howie bringing up that he, you know, he said, and you being a guy down there in, in that neck of the woods, uh, this Russell Wilson comment, uh, because that's where he was at NC State initially. But, you know, Howie Roseman the week after saying, listen, we, in 2012, I really thought about, you know, um, Russell Wilson, I'm kicking myself. I've been kicking myself ever since. So that's kind of justification for, for snagging a Jalen Hurts. Well, if you think he's Russell Wilson, then you think he's better than Carson Wentz. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I'm not saying that's exactly what they think, but I'm not sure they know what they're thinking there. And, you know, being a quarterback factory is great, but, you know, this is a team that had a lot of needs going into the second day of the draft. And to snag him – uh, says that you do have concerns about Carson's durability. Um, you know, I, I would, I would guess, or you don't think that he's the future for you, unless you're going to go with option A or B, in which case I think you overdraft. I pull for the Eagles, but I, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be tough for them to justify the pick. For them to justify the pick, you're going to have to hit the fan. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's like my, my argument has been, well, they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Now, I mean, that's, that's an over, oversimplification of that victory because you guys had a very good defensive line and 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 you know, everything was kind of clicking along the way no, but it was the offense the defense didn't win that super bowl i mean we had a big part in it but we had to score 41 points to beat the patriots okay uh so like listen i'm not gonna sit up here and say hey there were games we won i mean we kicked the vikings ass we yep. kicked a lot of teams asses down the stretch uh, and we made some big plays no doubt about it including the super bowl with brandon graham strip sack but the offense won that Super Bowl, and the reason that offense was able to win that Super Bowl is because you have a proven commodity. I have nothing against Jalen Hurts. Do I think he could be a developmental piece? I don't know. You're not going to hear a lot of podcasters or NFL people say that. I have no idea. I don't know, you know quarterbacks well enough. I have a, a hunch on you know, top-tier guys. But you know, with Jalen, I know that he comes from uh, you know, some really complicated schemes. I'm not sure what happens coming out of those and, and taking on a third scheme on a offseason that you're going to, you know, pick that up. Any rookie, I'd have worries about picking up a scheme uh, with the COVID offseason and trying to win a spot starter. All right, that's fair enough. Um, the, uh, the New England Patriots did not draft a quarterback. They traded out of the 23 spot where many people thought they would take Jordan Love. They moved down to 37. They got 71 in the process. Like, that was a, a steal. And the, the Chargers came up and paid a big price for Kenneth Murray. I get it. Like, that's what the Patriots should have done based on the way they approached the philosophy. I, but do you think that there's a chance Bill Belichick is out here sending a message saying, like, Jared Siddham's my guy and I'm rolling with Jared Siddham and please stop asking me about it? I, I think that both can be true. I think, listen, we're taking an entirely too big leap of faith trying to – uh, assume any of Bill Belichick's motives or, or thoughts or, I mean, the guy's always thinking on a different plane. Having said that, um, I don't think 
was as good as people thought last year. That proved to be true. I mean, throughout the entire year, I said the defense was good. I don't know if they're that good. I don't know if they're going to be able to carry this offense. Now you subtract. Um, well, Devlin's not coming back. Fullback, that was a big part of their Super Bowl run a couple years ago. It's been a, been a big part of what they do, period. Tom Brady obviously gone. Um, you know, you, you, you've got an exodus of players at the second level for them. And it's only going to get tougher. Every team in the division improves. So, you know, we're going to talk about gambling at some point here. Their win total is supposed to be nine. I think that might be a little high. Their schedule's tough. Um, I really do. Stidham, listen, he could turn out to be great. Um, there's no doubt about it. But it's not like they've drafted that well historically. Um, and, and you could say um, we could, in this weaker division than, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, end up with more wins than them and end up in better shape than them. We, we're betting on a year that there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of question marks around the league. There's obviously a shortened uh, offseason. Things are going to be weird. Who thrives in weird situations? Bill Belichick. I mean, he's got the most experience, and he's the GOAT. So they're going to they're gonna bank on winning games on defense, um, and they really believe in Jared Stidham to execute whatever the plan is. Now, that might be to be at a place midseason where you can reevaluate and say, hey, could we make a push for the playoffs, or are we effectively in the second half going to you know, pack in our tent and maybe do a little bit of tanking for two, or not for two, it's still stuck in my head for Trevor. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Like to, to tank for T works. The, um, I mean, Lawrence is like one of my, I mean, I think he's maybe the, the best prospect since Andrew Luck. I think he's that good. And I know some people are high on, on Justin Fields too. That's fine. But there's a theory out there and Prisco and Jason Lockenfor have talked about it on this podcast that Bill Belichick wants to tank this year draft Trevor Lawrence and then hand his son, Steve Belichick, the team along with Trevor Lawrence in three years, you buy or sell. Well, I, I, I sell, I don't think as much as bill and any coach looks out for their kids that he's going to think Steve's ready to and brand new quarterback and start the second installment of a dynasty. Um, I, it is an interesting question. I think it does play into his decision-making. Like, what are you doing here? Because how how much longer do you want to coach? Um, Bill has seemed increasingly happier off the field in recent years. Uh, I don't know how much longer he really wants to do it. Uh, I, I got no reason for saying that. That's just me using common sense. And so, like, do you kick the can down the road a couple more years or do you try to go get your guy now? I would think the, the, the conclusion that he doesn't want to coach another 20 years uh, would lead you to believe that maybe it's time to get on with it and rip the Band-Aid off this year go through the growing pains that need to happen in order to get that high pick and start over. And if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, but don't go through another iteration after this next franchise quarterback. Um, You know, I I do think that Stidham could win them a few games. I think they'll be right on that nine game total, but I think they'll be under it because their schedule's tough. Everybody got better in the division. They lost a number of players and they don't draft well. So like, I don't know that this draft is going to be, um, is, is going to get the job done for them to improve them into next year. You, you don't think uh, drafting a division two uh, safety at a Lenore Ryan in the second round is going to, is going to magically turn around the uh, ironically. Pattern? And this is what's funny. Cause you're looking around and they have a lot of needs. Uh, safety doesn't seem to be one of them, but maybe they're thinking ahead uh, with Chung leaving in a year or two. Uh, they snagged another guy from San Diego who I'm not sure exactly how he's going to play, how they're going to plug him in. Uh, but, I tend to 
ironically, I believe in that pick. Maybe they know something we don't. Um, I've heard really good things about him. And listen, I think Bill's the greatest. Uh, I think that whatever he's doing is going to be very purposeful and he has a plan. But I think as fans, we all sat here and we want the Patriots to do something interesting. I wanted them to go get Jordan Love. Like I thought that would have been – I wanted them to go get Jameis Winston, as unrealistic as that was the whole time, because I'm a fan. I want to see, like, interesting stuff happen. But, I mean, like, you played for Belichick. You won with Belichick. You weren't there long, but – I mean, I, I would assume that it's like a football family. Like, I mean, you, you, you grew up around football like Belichick that you guys got along swimmingly. Um, it is a, it, are you surprised to sort of hear the, the undertones of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Brady? Neither one has said it, but like the way they've acted, Brady does this two and a half hour, like F bomb riddled Howard Stern interview. You know, Gronk is like, you know, Gronk is sort of shying away for it, but intimating. It, it almost feels like these guys were ready to get out of Camp Belichick. Do you believe there's something to that theory? Um, you know, I think different teams have different ways of doing things. I was on um, three different teams, obviously, and I had many more coaches than that number because in St. Louis we piled them up. You know, there's things that annoy the hell out of you about every coach you play for. I'm not going to sit here and list them all. Um, there are things about Doug that annoyed me. There's things about Bill that annoyed me. There are things about, you know, Jeff Fisher that annoyed me. And I love all those guys in different ways. And I left a few coaches off because in, in the beginning it was like, a, you know, we had a different coach every year in St. Louis. But, I mean, and for Tom, it's going on Howard Stern. It's loosening things up a little bit. It's the same thing when a guy goes up to play for the Patriots. You call him, you know, and, and see about getting him on the pod or something. You're going to probably have to go through somebody with the organization. Like, there's just different quirks and different ways that, that things go for players in New England. And just because they're real doesn't make them deal breakers. I mean, guys willingly play in New England, and they love it. They win championships. Are there going to be things that annoy you? Sure. Um, is it not fun sometimes? Sure. The fans will tell you. That's the first thing they'll tell you is, like, we don't have fun up here. It's cold. It's miserable. We win championships. Like, we revel in that. But the minute a player says something like that, it's a big problem. So I don't quite get that dynamic. Um, I know Lane got crushed for that. Uh, I, I thought he could have been a little bit more respectful um, but, you know, it, it should never surprise anybody when Tom or Gronk leave and seem to have even more fun if that's humanly possible for Gronk. But, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting, man. And, and a lot of people say, what was wrong with Bill and Tom the entire time? How many players and coaches spend 20 years together? Let's look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to double check to make sure that my the door to my office is closed when I say this, but, like, I mean, I've been married for eight years and my wife hates me. And I'm sure that sometimes I hate her. I mean, I, and that's, and that's marriage. That's how I know you're podcasting from home. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm terrified too. Cause our, she's going to like come up here and like looking for a, a, a bottle of wine. And she's like, did you just, what, what the hell did you just say? Uh, she actually dunked on me on the podcast. I walked in here the other day. Drinking. Uh, yeah. You think it's tough to be an NFL wife? Try being a podcaster wife. I, you know what, I, is it, what's, what's, I think that's interesting though. So like I, people assume, A, they assume when, when they ask me, they're like, man, like you write about football, that must be the greatest life ever. It's like, well, it's, it's cool. I mean, but you know, like, you know, you know how you spend like Sunday with your kids and your family. Like my, my family hates Sundays. Um, and you know, like you're around the house all the time I, 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 and people forget too, like, like, you know, you got, you play football, you made a bunch of money playing football. You did, you were very successful at it, but life isn't that different at home than a normal family, right? No, not at all. I mean, like, uh, 
one of the hardest things about getting into podcasting as a former player is, okay, I have the money to like, I'm just being realistic to not have to podcast, but yeah. I want to do something that I love. I want to do something that like, that, that makes me answer the bell every day. Something I take one of the hardest sells, I think for some people might be to hear that, Hey, I'm going to launch my second career and it's going to be me talking about sports, which means I got to watch games. I have to read about sports. I have to do research. Um, and you know, like to be quite honest, uh, I don't know if this softens the blow for my wife, Meg, who's very supportive, but like, I don't feel like watching sports all day. I really don't a lot of days. So it is work. Well, I mean, like when you have to turn on the microphone and people could pick you apart for your opinion or your take, or, uh, you could get things wrong. You could be embarrassed. Uh, and it's not like I can take a week off of, I'm not going to read this week. I'm not, not going to watch games. I'm going to take the weekend. Kind of like you talked about, I'm doing three pods a week right now. So pretty much every day I'm doing something. Uh, listen, it's great work. I can do it from home. Uh, I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in, but you know, it is hard. Yeah. We were talking about that at the Super Bowl when we, when we ran into each other. It's like, you're like, man, this, this is like, this is not, not like it's, it's not harder than football, obviously, but I mean, it's, no. it, it is, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as easy as some people think because you're not just watching football and then regurgitating opinions and, and like you have to, I don't, I don't know. Like, and I think too, I, I like, and, like it is, you have to kind of come up with a plan on a, on a regular basis and, and, and formulating that plan and keeping it. I think the plan well, thing is hard. Yeah. That is. plan thing is hard. Well, I mean, like that's been one of the hardest things for me is, you know, three times a week or twice during the season or whatever, we, we kicked it up three times a week during the, the pandemic. Cause we were like, you know, people need content or whatever. And I'm, I want to work. So, but the trade off there is that, Three times a week, I have to book a guest, and I hate asking people to do. You know, I don't mind being guests on people's shows if I like them, because I don't mind. You know, like I feel like you pay it forward. You know, you're, you're a guest on somebody's show, and then you don't feel so bad when you ask somebody to be on your show. But it's just hard being on the other side of it as a player. There were people that asked me for things all the time, and now I'm that guy asking players and trying to walk that line of being like when I ask my friends on them giving me very open answers and having a real conversation. And also seeing that sometimes, you know, your quote's going to go viral. And while it's nice to have green light pod on the front page of ESPN, I hate that it's that Snacks Harrison said something about Detroit that got a little misconstrued or whatever. And I'm like, ah, am I responsible for that? They just plucked a quote. So that, that thing kind of sucks. And then the, the creativity, where well, I love being creative, but thinking of a new thing every day right now without sports, it's not easy. It's fun. Like yesterday we did uh, best breaks, luckiest uh, sports moments with Stanford Steve and my co-host Macon, and I had a blast. But that's three hours of prep, you know, before the pod even goes, and then I'm doing editing on the back end. It's just like I'm kind of a one-man band right now. But you're doing the editing yourself on the back end? Well, I've got I've got my editor read, but I, I don't like. Uh, I listen to everything afterwards, and I hate listening to everything afterwards because I hate my own voice which sucks because i talk like i'm just i err on the side of being more perfectionist which can be kind of exhausting i'm sure for my editor and then also for me i mean we let the tape roll and go but i like to have at least heard everything we do because i don't want to put something out that puts a guest in a bind or you know like if there's an audio issue like i just don't want things screwed up I'm 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 with you completely. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more podcasting and some sports gambling as well. That you asked about the MJ dog. I don't think it's wrong that I don't think it's I don't see the gambling like listen, the guy gambles a lot. He's also worth two billion dollars. Yeah. 
Like, okay. And how much do you trust the guy that said he owed him all that money? I mean, not at all. The guy looks skeezy as hell. Yeah, just totally skeezy. And also, they were like $57,000. I'm like, uh, I mean, okay. I, I don't think a lot of people watching this documentary realize like what rich people gamble. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Michael Jordan is rich, rich. Okay. And he's competitive. He wants your money in his pocket. You heard what Purdue said. That's why he's up in the front of the plane gambling with the guys for a dollar on a hand. Cause it's about the, the competition to him. And that's where guys get in trouble. It's not about the money. It's not like he's going to earn any side income from that. It's just, he wants to win. I mean, like standard gamblers online are, are you know, like a unit is a hundred bucks. Well, Michael, yeah. J- Michael Jordan's making th- like thirty plus million dollars a year in basketball revenue alone. Much not, not to forget, like what he's getting from Nike and Coke and McDonald's. Like t- t- a ten thousand dollars is nothing to him. It's a penny to him. It's a penny to him. Now, I mean, listen, I've had moments where I've had to learn not to be a de- degenerate. Like I've had to learn. Because when you get out of the league, like when I was in the league, okay, in middle school, I used to walk around with index cards during uh, March Madness and take like dollar bets. So like I've always enjoyed gambling. And then, you know, in the league, you bet on some like your own teams. Uh, I'm not talking the teams you play on your college teams. Uh, and that's kind of the extent of it. But if you go to Vegas, you're allowed to gamble. So, um you know, I, I would go during March Madness and we'd throw up a bunch of money for me. Um, and, and that was fun. But, you know, I, I would say I got bad when I, when I started betting, betting on, uh, flames totals, like Calgary flames totals, like hockey totals. <laughs> yeah. That's usually, that's code in my group of friends for like Chris has gone down a bad road of uh, flames totals. Also money lines like late in the day for me are a bad sign, like on a Sunday. And I learned this this fall. You know, if you take the last game of the day on a money line situation, that just means you're 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 reaching and uh, you're trying to dig your way out of a hole. And it's going to be bad. Yeah. All right. All right. So, you mentioned you could you went you go to Vegas as a player. You couldn't gamble, right? Like you wouldn't be allowed to gamble on anything, even college basketball. Or were you allowed to? You're uh, you're allowed to, to gamble on college. I think they strongly advise you against it because they want you to stay out of casinos. What you can't do is get your like rooms comped or anything like that, because uh. that, that like sets up a relationship with the casinos. Um, but yeah, you can go, I mean, players have taken pictures and posted online of like big bets they've made on college football championships and that sort of thing. You're free and clear on anything, I think, but the NFL. Um, wow, I didn't realize and that. if you weren't, then, then I sure won a lot of money on college basketball and that was, <laughs> I'll be returning that to the NFL. Not, <laughs> what's uh what's your what's your what's your favorite win that you ever had on college basketball Ooh, my favorite win that i've ever had on college basketball i mean i don't, listen when i started the college basketball season this year um i said to myself i'm not gonna because i came off the fall where i struggled like early to figure out a routine everybody whether you admit it or not gambling kicks your ass and you realize you, yep. you're more of an addictive gambler gambler than you realize and you either pull it back or you just go downward spiral. And, you know, you start, you know, betting uh, the house and the mortgage. Like, I'm never going to get there because I have self-control. Like, that's just the way I am. And I'm sure this is like the famous last words. But there was a point in the fall where I had to adjust and be like, okay, I don't bet on these games. You know, I need to think for 10 minutes before I bet on a game. Like, whatever your rule is. And in the, in the winter, I said, I'm not going to be a guy who bets every day on college basketball. Well, mm. guess what? That turned out to be untrue. I love betting on college basketball. 
I used to rank college basketball super low in my like power rankings of watchable sports in the regular season. I'm not talking about March Madness, but having a way to gamble on it is terrific. Yeah. And I do parlays like every night, but the units, you know, shrunk way down. That was the key because you have an opportunity to win money every day. In football, it's like Sunday. That's it. You know, Monday night, Thursday night, whatever. But you just feel such a responsibility to go win money on one day. And you've got your one shot. College basketball, you can do it all week. And so I make a lot of bets that are like big, uh, big reward bets, small risk. And uh, I won a bunch of parlays. Like I was on a big streak at the end of the year where I won like three, four money line parlays, like five teams. In like two weeks, it was awesome. Well, I mean, and I think too, like on the psychology of the gambling thing, for me, part of the problem is, and, and I found this with uh, playing some online poker during during the lockdown too, is that if you if you get in this this uh, if if you just get is it if it becomes part of your routine, that's when it becomes a problem. Like you just yeah. you sort of do it like mindlessly, and you're just like plugging away, like like all right, I'll bet on this, I'll bet on this, I'll do this, and it, 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 it sort of grinds on you. Yeah, well, that's the and 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 this is how I know, and this is funny because I'm just I keep being like, yeah, I'm responsible, yeah, I'm responsible. I feel like a kid <laughs> justifying it, but when everything stopped, there's been nothing to gamble on. Let's be real. I mean. And I haven't really like woke up any day and thought like, where, where are the bets? Like the first week I was like, damn, no more college basketball. This is terrible. I was really looking forward to my first, you know, NFL, uh, retired year off where I could bet indiscriminately on college basketball, you know, like, and I felt like I was missing an opportunity, but as soon as college basketball kind of got out of my head, I hadn't even thought about gambling these win totals. I'm peeking at them. But I'm, you know, I don't have an issue. I, I love it. Um, but, uh, you know, the funny thing is, like, nobody in my family gambles. So when I start making bets, my dad's looking at me like, damn, you're one of those guys, huh? Like, <laughs> with that kind of, that kind of impure looking at, like, like he's judging me. What, what is, what is Howie more impressed with? Your gambling or Kyle's video games? I think he looks, he looks at both like we're aliens that just got off the space, spaceship. <laughs> like, it's just totally. My dad's such a clean cut dude. You know, he does, he doesn't drink, he doesn't gamble, none of that stuff. He's he's just real straight and narrow and uh yeah, the video games, the, the gambling, the whatever. I mean, what he's a real supportive dad, but it's it's understood that we're in a different world these days. Tattoos, uh, the whole thing. All right, so my dad for years when we were kids, my brother and I, I think you and Kyle are like 3 or 4 years apart, right? Yeah, we're, we're three and a half, four years. Yeah, yeah, so my brother and I are exactly three years apart, like 81 and 84. So a little bit older than you guys, but, um, we would, we would go to these, we would go to like widespread panic concerts and fish concerts. And my parents are always like, well, what is the deal with these guys in these shows? Like MMJ shows, all this stuff. And finally, this past summer, my dad was like, I want to go to a widespread panic show with you guys. And we lined up to go to Red Rocks and, like, I, I don't think he was fully prepared for what happened when he became immersed in, he was like, holy crap. Like this is. Yeah, like I, like I get it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a, in a good, in, in both a good and bad way, I think. Well, as you know, I took my dad to, um, this is one of the coolest things for me because I just retired and anytime MMJ has a show and that's my morning jacket, um, for, for those, folks out there listening one of the last real rock and roll bands uh 
like I'll look at it, and it's a lot of times during the season they come down to lock in, which is a festival here in Virginia, which I finally got to go this this year. Oh, nice! You know, there'd be a great show at Red Rocks that I might miss, and I have seen them at Red Rocks, but last year they were doing this August show, and I was looking at it I was, as I was considering retirement. I was like, almost like on the pros and cons of comeback, <laughs> retire when you're riding out on the sheet. Pro of retirement is Red Rocks August, and so I got to go with my buddies, and they played. Uh, two nights and we were all out in Montana at the time because that's where we spend you know late summers up in Montana I said to my folks I said why don't y'all come down and join me and my buddies like it just wasn't just me uh it was me and like four dudes and I said y'all can stay on the other side of town we we got an Airbnb this was in pre-pandemic times this was simpler times uh you know and it's just crazy to talk about this stuff but we um we did the show they they showed up and and I got them seats like kind of three quarters of the way down at Red Rocks and for anybody that knows like you walk into Red Rocks it's kind of like 1960 in there. It's a free for all um, too, like it's first come first serve yeah. for seats. Yeah, I mean the seats, the whole nine. So I got them situated. They absolutely love they love jacket anyways, just from listening to her on the back porch and all that stuff. But to go see them there um, and watching my dad like in a sea of people because I could kind of see him when when the when the lights would, would kick up blue or whatever, I see this big dude with a flat top, you know, <laughs> he was wearing a hat. So he's incognito, but among all these like young hippies just standing there, you would think he'd be uncomfortable, but he really was. And he doesn't drink, do, do drugs, none of that stuff, obviously. And he's just watching the show and people are freaking out around him. He's totally still him and my mom just soaking it in. It was a really special moment, man, bringing your, your parents to, to show you like can be really cool. So that was great. I was glad we got to do it. Yeah. Uh, they, um, the Brinson brother, the Brinson family probably is a little more incognito, uh, size wise than the long family. But, um, I was worried about it for him, but he didn't really get bothered a lot, which was nice. Yeah. I can't imagine that the MMJ community is, is huge into like seventies Raiders football. I mean, may, I, maybe there's no, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I do think that there's something to that. Uh, I don't know what the crossover. The Venn, the Venn, the Venn diagram is not, is not, is not a concentric circle. <laughs> no, exactly. So I mean, it was, it was nice, man. It was really nice, and we had a good time. And they survived without being turned off to the ways of the the, the Red Rockers. Uh, I had, I had a wonderful time. It was the hike, terrific. the hike, the hike up to the the thing is is brutal. By the way, well, it's a way that you know, to me, you, it just, it just heightens the sense that if you're going to have fun there it, it can't be booze because yeah if you want booze you got to go up and down those damn stairs it takes 30 minutes you're at 7,000 feet and by the way once you drink a 20 once you basically binge drink because that's what you're doing so you don't have to go down you just chugging miller light um you you feel like crap because the altitude yeah and, you know you just feel bloated and you're like what am i doing yeah, there's there's other stuff. And, well, yeah, and and what well, you can look, you can go buy some edibles in Colorado. It's perfectly legal in there. You can buy anything. Yeah, yeah, you can buy anything you want in Colorado. Uh, all right, so really quickly on on my morning jacket. This is my podcast, so I can do what I want, even though it's a football podcast. It's the off season. Um, wh- uh, wh- like how when did at what point did you dive in on MMJ? Like the old like because we were sort of talking about this privately, but like. I think there's some people who are like the old folk people who don't like the new MMJ stuff. I think they actually evolved once it became like 
Jim James and and the drummer and and they're like yeah Pat and, yeah and they're all yeah, Pat, all in Pat. on this electronica stuff yeah Pat um Pat I know Pat pretty well he's probably really the guy I know, I know the best out of that group and Pat's a, a wonderful person and also you know not knowing them before he joined in the band it's kind of cool to see like the effect you know we talked about this before but you um you know you mentioned it there's some there's some fans that like pre-evil urges and that sort of thing i came on probably 2010 um you know i'm not one of these ground floor people um that that figured them out like when i was a teenager tennessee fire was 99 right um at dawn and it still moves early 2000s evil urges was like when i got out of college but you know, the first album that turned me on to them was Z. Um, and then I really got into It Still Moves. Uh, love that album. And Deep Dive, you know, Evil Urges, I never really took a look at my first year or two of fandom. Really fell in love with that one. And by that time, you know, might have been 2009, because I think it was a year or two before uh, their, what, fifth, sixth album came out. Um, and then, you know, you obviously have the two in the last decade that, uh, really are great in their own way. So they've evolved. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Bands evolve. And, uh, to me, whether they're playing something off at dawn or something off the waterfall, it's all, it all sounds great live and they normalize it all. So it, it just works. And I think they are like one of the last, if not the last great rock and roll band the best show i've ever seen um you know consistently and i've seen them a bunch they 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 rock every i've never seen them in a i've never had a bad actually i take that back one time at coca booth in in, in carry the acoustics were terrible and right. it, that was not them it was the it was the venue it just it's like for bluegrass yeah. only but like i've never seen them i've never seen them put on a bad show why, why did why did rock and roll just go like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer for it. Maybe it's just the demographics. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I think, I think sounds got too clean, man. Mm. That, that, that's it for me. I, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm no music um, connoisseur. I mean, I, as far as having taste in music, I think I have good taste, but everybody thinks they have good taste because it's, uh, it's subjective. I'm no like music theory guy. I don't know anything about playing music, um, but I just feel like the sounds gotten cleaner. And, um, yeah, for, for whatever reason, if you were to Google, I had to look like when you asked the question, are they one of the best rock and roll bands, uh, left? Uh, I've always thought that, but challenging that paradigm, I actually looked at it and there's not a lot of rock and roll bands at all anymore that I like that are making new music. Now Pearl Jam just came out with an album. I'm a yeah. huge Pearl Jam fan. Um, but you know, it's not the Pearl Jam of old. I, I just wouldn't count like Pearl Jam as a, current rock and roll band like i, I no, mean but back in the it's a remnant of oh, a yeah. real rock and roll band and they're, they're you know they're doing different stuff and that sort of thing but mmj has gone from folk to just you know rock. like you you listen to some of that stuff that they made in the last 10 years and some of the og fans might not love it but they love it when they play it at a concert because it rocks exactly it's like it's become like arena rock all right um yeah also, while on the course of music, uh, you're, you're a country guy. And I, yeah. this, this, I don't, I don't know the name of most, don't you have, your son's name is Waylon, right? Yeah. So my son's name is Waylon. Yeah. But I, I, there's an asterisk next to country guy because there's not a lot of good country anymore. Of course not. 
Uh, oh, oh, actually, yeah. so oh, I know. What was the last concert you saw before the pandemic? Man, the last concert I saw before the pandemic might have been Sturgill. Me too. March March 6th, which is I, – I was looking back for the date on it. I was like, it's got to be like, you know, February. Wait, where did you see him? In Charlotte. Okay, so I saw him um, at uh, in D.C. Um, what was the name of that little place I saw? Um, oh, that was on the pre-European tour, right? Yeah, so that's probably the last show I saw was him in that little venue there. And uh, I do love the new album. And it, you know, it took me a second because it's so different from talk about a, a guy that's evolved and does like five different things. He's just a wizard. So yeah, that was it. Well, you know, it's interesting. So like on, by the time he got to, uh, Charlotte, he was actually, he got up there and Tyler Childers over for him and he was like, I hate this album, but I'm going to play it anyway. Like he, he's, he's just that, that's just where his mindset is. He, he, Wait, which album does he hate? The new one, Sound of Fury. He already hates it. Sturge hates it. Yeah. Well, I, you know what I feel? You know what I feel like with Sturge is he he he's kind of he's kind of gruff, man. Like he's just like you know he's he's not easily impressed even by himself, and I think that's fine. That keeps him you know exploring and making new things, and and uh, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who likes to seems conflicted about the whole stardom thing. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like him. He's interesting. He's got one of my favorite voices of all time, and he's only made a little bit of music so far. Um, and Tyler's good, too. Tyler's real good, too. I've never been into Jason. Um, Isabel? I'm, yeah, I always cringe when I say that because I got nothing against him. I just, it's a little bit emo for me. Yeah, I, um, I, I like the, um, uh, I like the drive, I like the truckers. And I, yeah, drive, drive by trucker stuff is awesome. Yeah. And he's got a few things I really like. Uh, but you know, for me, Sturge has got the range, uh, in tone and obviously Stapleton, uh, who I've seen a good bit too. I haven't seen him live, but he, he seems well. like he'd be incredible. Um, but I guess, so like if you were ranking, rank the highwaymen, do you have to go Waylon yeah. <laughs> number one because that's your son or are you a Willie or Cash guy? And like Christopherson's a sneaky, a sneaky, uh, four hole there. So Chris might have, you know, in the songwriting genre for me, uh, as far as being a songwriter, I think he separates himself pretty well. You know, I would say if I went through my catalog of music, I have the least amount of Chris. Yeah. Um, but I still love Chris. I mean, Silver Tongue Devil is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Willie, um, you know, probably my favorite Willie song is I'd Have to Be Crazy. And I've seen Willie. A couple times, I've been lucky enough to see him a couple times. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Waylon, my son's name is Waylon. I mean, his voice is just so powerful. Um, you know, the, when I got married, um, we 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 thought long and hard about a wedding song. Freedom to Stay ended up being the wedding song. So there's a lot of special stuff to me with Waylon's catalog. And then Johnny, everybody loves Johnny, man. Um, you know, I, I guess I couldn't rank him. The way I'd have to do it is if I wanted to – Let's see if I had to get quarantined with one. Mm. Uh, well, Willie's the answer for the quarantine. <laughs> Willie, Willie's the answer. If I had to go drink beer with one and just go on a bender, it'd be Chris. Oh. Um, and I think I identify the most Chris. I think he's the most interesting one, honestly. Um, and that includes Johnny. Uh, obviously, I named my son Waylon. And if you could be any of them, although I know he lived like a very tough life, Johnny Cash had to be the coolest guy to be. 
And by the way, I just watched the Richard Nixon thing on Netflix. Had you seen that one yet? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. It's worth worth watching. Obviously. It's about how Nixon tried to get him to kind of be his uh, campaign uh, donkey there, and, and Johnny uh, Johnny wasn't. Well, I don't want to spoil it. So just uh, just go check it. It's under an hour. It's very interesting. Okay, I will check it out. Yeah, I think if I had to, like, I've seen Willie too. Um, I saw him up at Merle Fest a, 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 a while. I mean, a long time ago. I, if I had to see, if I had to pick one of them to see in concert right now, it would be Cash, just because you know I never saw him. Yeah. And yeah. then Christopherson was the guy that my dad always had records of and and like CDs of. My parents always had this curious. It's not it's not curious, but like they had, like they always had like he had a bunch of the band and he had Chris Chris Christopherson and he had but somebody who likes Chris is gonna like all types of music. Yeah. And honestly, like as far as country goes. You take those guys with some of the influences from other genres and just the, the how true they were to the music and the catalog. I mean, Willie, I just saw where they ranked all 143 albums. It's insane. I couldn't even couldn't even imagine. But Chris, out of all, like, if you like the Highwaymen, it doesn't mean that you just like country. Right. I mean, you have a diverse musical taste. You can still like the Highwaymen and like everybody else. Um, those were diverse guys in their friendships. And, you know, in their, in their, in their life experiences, they were really outlaws, outliers, man. And that's why I thought they were really cool because they, they, you couldn't put them in a box, man. And Chris, I did see Chris live. I saw him a few years ago in Virginia, right here in Charlottesville. And it was just him, microphone, guitar. Uh, I might have had a harmonica on him. I don't even remember. It was just so, uh, and, uh, you know, a Persian rug. He was just sitting up there. Uh, you know, wailing away classics. And I thought it was one of the most special concert experiences I've ever seen because it felt like a farewell tour. Now, this was like 2017. Right. I know he's still around, but my man's got some miles on him, and I don't know how much longer. I don't even know if he's still touring. I saw him once. It was good enough for me. Where where, where was that in Charlottesville? It was at uh, not the Jefferson. It was uh, at the Paramount Theater. Okay. The, which, what's, the one, yeah. what's the one that's outside of Charlottesville? That's the uh, that's the pavilion. So okay. they do like some good show. We actually get some good shows out here. I saw I saw I saw Wilco up there uh, ten years ago or something like that. It was an awesome show. Wilco was here recently, actually, um, and they get a lot of good shows, man. You know, honestly, one time we got we got Snoop and what? ended up partying with Snoop in what? Charlottesville, dude. What was that yeah. in, in college? No, this is when I was in the pros. He had come oh in, um, and uh, I guess. Maybe I met him once before. So, you know, got back backstage, hung out with Snoop. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is crazy. Snoop is in Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> uh, and, and we got back here. And also, like, there's the dynamic of you don't want to, when you're back there, you don't want to overstay your welcome. But right. uh, it's, it's kind of cool because if you, if you saw Snoop and you're in a big city, like you're one of a bunch of people back there, there weren't a lot of people back there. And he's pretty cool. He's chill dude, to say the least. Yeah, I've... Uh... He made fun of me one time at a, at a, at the Playboy red carpet at the Dallas Super Bowl. <laughs> Cause we, we stayed, we stayed late and I had this like crappy little camera and he walks up. I was like, Snoop, CBS Sports. He's like, man, you ain't with CBS Sports with that little. I was like, I was like, uh, no, no, he goes, no, nah, I'm just messing with you, man. And then like, talk, I mean, he gave us like an interview. And it's, it, it, he's, he, he seems he, like he's, he's very chill. chill man. Yeah. yeah. Very chill. Yeah. I would say that. And man, I can't, I'd like to, I like to imagine the wave of like, Double collared shirt frat bros at in in Charlottesville, just like oh yeah, arm in the oh, air yeah. for Snoop. 
Um, yeah, exactly. It's got to be. I mean, some cities you pull up to when you snoop, you're like, oh, for shizzle, it's money. <laughs> you know, Charlottesville being one. All right. So if you had to drive, all right, are you a are you a, you're a you're a, a a big car guy, right? Like you, I mean, like anybody who lives in this this area, and I'm including like within two hours of the you know the Blue Ridge Mountains in our age range has at some point drove like I have in my garage a uh, 96 Bronco. Uh if yeah. you if you, had, if you had to go with a car would you go Scout or Bronco? If I go Bronco. Scout are really hard to find uh and part of that I hear is cuz they're pretty rusted out. Right. Um now Scout if you're c- comparing a Scout to like I had a 69 Bronco. I'm a big Bronco enthusiast. My first truck I ever had was a Bronco. Um, and I still have it. It's a 96, just like yours. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so I've got it. It's been in a garage most of the time. I ride it in the summer. It's like my baby. I'll never get rid of it. I have a 1990 Land Cruiser FJ 62. That's my favorite truck. Uh, but you're right. Anybody in this region seems to be like a vintage SUV guy. Now I don't have like the salt life sticker. I certainly don't have to don't tread on me sticker. Uh, none of that. But I do like jacked up vintage SUVs. I would probably go with a Bronco because you have the full size options. You've got those like 70s models. Um, the 69 was too small. It's a beautiful truck, but my eyes are like at the windshield, you know, <laughs> and, and they don't feel like they drive great. Uh, you really have to put a ton of money into them to make them. And I think the same thing, the same way about FJ40s, man. Like I love FJ40s. And those are the cruisers that a lot of people know, the real boxy ones. Yep. But they feel like they're going to tip over. So, you know, bigger guy, I'd say Bronco. The Land Cruiser is an underrated. There's a bunch of Land Cruisers still hanging around Raleigh. Um, the, I mean, oh, dude. Come on. Yeah. This is Land Cruiser hotspot to Mid-Atlantic and yeah. then, uh, like, out west, Denver, that sort of area. I feel like big-time, crunchy Land Cruiser driving bros. But – yeah, my 1990 is uh, my pride and joy. It's my favorite truck, and uh, all the FJ series trucks I love. We had a, uh, a house in college that at one point had a 96 Bronco, a 90 Land Cruiser, uh, an 86 Brown uh, Jeep Wrangler, and a uh, and was like a, a 1995 Expedition. It was extremely fragile. 1995 expedition. That guy, that poor guy. I know, I know. He had the biggest car, but it was like, what, like, but it was like the fanciest, you know, at, the, at, the, at that point. Yeah, in time. was it? So it was the bubble, the bubble expedition. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was. Yeah, it, it was I like, had one of those. Just like point. an expanded explorer, basically. Yes, ex- essentially. Yes. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, Everybody else had like sweet vintage rods. He kind of <laughs> just missed the vintage boat, where everything got less angular, and they started making these ugly looking bodies. <laughs> well, you I mean you remember when they made that switch? It was crazy. Cause it was like the, yeah. the first year they changed like the, the Yukon from the old boxy, you know, and they changed it to that sleek. And now that's what everybody has. But I mean, it was, it was wild at the time. It's, it, it sucks because when they changed the F series trucks over, I love 1990s F series. I think from 90 when they, they went to like 97 before they went, um, no, they went to 96 before they ruined the body style. Yeah. Um, but they just, yeah, kind of wholesale ruined the look of trucks now. And they're talking about bringing the Bronco back. Just, like, just make an old. You ever see an icon? They make old trucks. Yeah. They, you know, you gotta have like six figures or whatever. But you know, and I wouldn't spend that much money on a remade truck because I just build one from the ground up. But yeah, you know, the, you, the the only way you can get the real thing is get the real thing. Like, you talking about remaking a Bronco? 
it just looks cheap. It just doesn't look the same. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not sold on it. No, it's the it's guys who will be like, all right, we're going to make you a custom 1974 Bronco or whatever. And it, and it it's like, it, it, it doesn't look like an old school well, truck. The, the, the custom for me, like if you go look at Icon or like TLC, I don't know if TLC is still making cruisers, but you just have to spend a ton of, ton of money and have patience. That's the hardest part. Um, the patience part sucks because if you have disposable income where you're like, Hey, I'm going to buy an old SUV. You want to buy it now. That's an impulsive feeling. <laughs> you're not going to wait a year right. and get pictures all the time. And you know how dealing with trucks, there's always, there's always something. It's like getting your house built. Like, so there's just always something, but I would say the, the like they're talking about remaking the Bronco now, like putting out the Bronco again in like 2022 or 23 or something. And I, took one picture of the concept or take one look at it i'm like it looks terrible this thing, it just doesn't look like the old stuff no i mean like did did they have they ever confirmed i mean oj did like get like in the bronco off the market right did he did oh was that why you think i think so although i mean like i guess they made 96s but then they they that's when they decided to get rid of them my my well, i think if, if oj had that's a really good yeah it's a good discussion but I think um, I think what happened with that was it was just too big for a two door. Like people couldn't justify mm. it anymore. And if you're gonna buy a, a family car, there were a bunch of SUVs coming out. Like, cause remember all the cool SUVs used to be like two door, like uh, K5 and that sort of thing. Oh you yeah, those old school K5s. Seat. You had to flop, you had to flop the seat up. Yeah, I mean like there's no yeah. even the old um, even the old, I mean even the old like Explorers had the yeah. had the thing where you like in high school you're flopping the seat up and trying to crawl in the back. Everything looks cooler 20 years ago with trucks. It just does. And I don't know if that's going to be true for our cars today. I think that I suspect they'll look crappy in 20 years, but, um, everything from like the nineties backwards for me, it's like uniforms. Just, you know, what are we doing? We're, yeah. just, we're modernizing everything for the hell of it. It's, it's just getting too cute. Like you don't have to change everything. Leave it how it is. It's um, all right. Run the ball. Just run the ball. <laughs> all right. I kept Chris Long. I kept you longer than, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, do you ever do that with, by the way, with podcasting where you, you do like a radio reset? Like I call you Chris, like I don't, like I don't know why I'm calling you Chris Long at the end of a Well, podcast. yeah, no, it's good because some people join and they might think, you know, I'm somebody else. I have no idea who they would think, but. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we have been talking about MM, MMJ and, and trucks for like 20 minutes. So, yes. Yeah, they're like, who the hell is, like, is this guy a football player? But it's your podcast. That was a good, it's your podcast. You talk about what the hell you want. Exactly. Uh, thanks for doing it, man. Make sure and uh, listen to the Green Light Pod with Chris Long. It's an outstanding show. You can easily find right. it in, uh, in the iTunes rankings. Um, it's, it's up there and it's, it's bright green. And, uh, follow Chris on Twitter if you're not already, if you're not already doing that. Yeah. Thanks, dude. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it, Will. Thanks a lot, man. I'll yeah. talk to you soon. I gotta have you on mine too. Let's do it, man.